time. Time is running out. Calling all patriots and lovers of our constitutionally protected, God-given, self-evident, innate legal rights in Tennessee and the United States of America. If you are sickened by the liberty-eroding activities of a government that hates you, then it is time to wake up. If you are fed up with the tyrannical leadership on display by all levels of government, now is the time to listen to your reveille call. If you are equally tired of the political class, the new aristocracy, lying to you in their pursuit of power and control, now is the time to take a stand in the arena. Please welcome your host, Larry Linton, U.S. Navy veteran and candidate for Tennessee House of Representatives to the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Welcome back to this week's conclusion of the conversation I had with founder and executive director of Tennessee Stands, Mr. Gary Humble. I hope you enjoyed part one, as well as enjoyed this week's part two. Much as we started last week's episode, we'll kick off this week with a word from the show sponsor, Anchor.fm. Once the advertisement is done, we'll get right back into the second half of the conversation with Mr. Gary Humble. With that, here's a word from the show sponsor. We're not safe in any of our actions. I was I was talking to a group uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I said uh, I started pointing to objects in the room, and I asked them, "Is there government involved in the creation of that object?" And there isn't one thing other than the air we breathe right now that the government is not involved in some way, shape, or form, and the government's trying to get involved in the air we breathe now. And and if it's not a constant fight, I mean that's going to be regular. Do you think carbon taxes are going to be the end result of all this legislation on greenhouse gas emissions? No, they're going to go after the what you breathe in your house, if you could buy oxygen to go scuba dive. All kinds of things are the result of letting government or just trying to operate on, hey, just if I let government leave me alone, we'll be good. Government's involved in everything we do. Stoplights, cars, bikes, clothes, electricity, water. And we allow that to happen. And some things it's necessary, but it's not necessary to secure the people's liberty. It doesn't need to be done by government. That's right. That's an important point. And then we talk about, you know, being when a legislature or the Congress is in effect, in the, our labor, our liberty is in danger. Somebody told me about this great way to look at that. We can look at government as a pastry baker. You ever had a good pastry? It's got all them fine layers of pastry in there. makes it light and puffy. Oh, I love it. Yeah. But every time government's in section, they put another layer. And when they put a layer, that's a layer between the people and their liberty. So every law that the government passes is another little flaky, tasty layer, because they sell it to you that way, a Mm. flaky, tasty layer of pastry between you and your liberty. That's what government does. Typically, the, the, the tastier and, and more fluffy and decadent the pastry is, the, the more likely it is to, to contribute to your eventual demise. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what do you see as your priorities coming up this year besides engagement? Which I'm, I'm excited for the January event you have coming here in, in Sevier County here in January. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it will just be uh, good to, to get other like-minded folks and leaders in the room and, and, and talk about 
um, talk about these initiatives. And, and, I, and the hope is to be more of a unified front um, as conservatives, as, as liberty-minded people. We, we've got to put forward more of a united footing uh, here in our General Assembly. Um, you know, we have a bunch of sort of disparate groups across the state that try to do, you know, this issue and that issue. And uh, oftentimes we, we face powers that are overwhelming, um, but they're not overwhelming when when we're a force that is united across the state. So we, we've got to get there, you know, some kind of a way um, in terms of, you know, Tennessee stands and me personally, um, you know, the, the three big things, there's, there's lots of things that we're interested in. The, the three big ones is still securing medical freedom. You know, of course, you know, Senator Johnson does have a bill to permanently extend the rights to uh, employees uh, free from co- co- coercion and their jobs being dependent upon whether or not they have this, this jab for COVID. So I'm thankful for that. And that's, that's certainly something we're interested in. Um, you know, our, our religious exemptions still in the state of Tennessee, that that was our first bill we, we tried in 2020, I'm sorry, in 2021, which failed. And uh, currently, you know, in the state of Tennessee, you have a religious exemption to vaccination requirements in schools and uh, for your kids and whatnot. But those exemptions go away in the case of an epidemic or the immediate threat of an epidemic. So we're we're still working to you know, essentially secure an individual's right to make their own medical decisions, you know, to decide whether or not you want a vaccine. Seems pretty simple to me, but it's uh, unfortunately a very complicated thing to get done here in Tennessee. So still very interested in that. Um, Super interested in election integrity, uh, primarily getting rid of these machines. I hate the machines. Uh, I don't think any voter ever asked for a machine uh, there's nothing about machines that makes elections secure or efficient or better for anyone except for those who are in control uh, and write the huge contracts uh, and the folks that get paid for servicing the machines and selling the machines. So um, I, I am a handmarked, secured, serialized, watermarked, telegrammed, all the things you can do, uh, paper ballot, uh, hand count guy. And um I'm I'm going to continue fighting that vigorously here in our state to secure our elections on into the future, and uh, and getting the the progressive agenda out of our schools. Um, I mean, man, this this nonsense that's happening in the public school system that we're funding with our tax dollars is mind boggling in terms of CRT, the outright pornography that exists in uh, our public school libraries, the uh, LGBT agendas, and all. Look, I mean. I'm all about people having freedom, but we've got to keep ideologies and things like this away from our kids and secure the rights of parents. You know, parents are the ones that are responsible to shape the worldview of their children, uh, not the public school system. And um, to me, that's something very fundamental that needs to be fixed in our state. And um, so th- those are those are three things that I'm uh, I'm really focused on. I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of other things that will come up this session that we'll speak to. Uh, and, and it just depends on what's going to get submitted uh, here in 2023. Absolutely. I'd like to see uh, the state law amended that uh, allows for recall elections for school board members at the county level. Cause 
So, so we, uh, you know, we, we championed that last year and I had representative Chris Todd out of Madison County run that bill. It, it passed, uh, in subcommittee in the house and then failed in the full education committee. And, um, gee, I wonder why. (laughs) Well, yeah, of course. Uh, some, one of the, I can't remember who it was. I, I don't want to misquote him. I'm, I feel fairly confident it was Representative Lafferty um, out of the Knoxville area. Uh-huh. And his, his statement was, well, if this bill passes, then every time we, you know, every time an, an elected school board member casts a vote, they need to be worked. He literally said this. He said every time an elected school board member casts a vote in a school board meeting, they need to be concerned as to whether or not they're going to be reelected or are recalled. I said, I'm thinking, yes, that's the purpose of it. (laughs) You you get it. But but he's he's saying that (laughs) it's a negative, you know, right. An elected official shouldn't have to worry about whether or not they're going to be (laughs) reelected or recalled. (laughs) I tell people this all the time that the school boards are the body of government closest to the people, closest to them in sense of involvement in their daily lives, closest to them in the sense of how deep they are into their wallets with our federal taxes going to a federal department of education, our local taxes going to, to uh, the county for, or the city for education. Plus they spend more waking hours with children than parents typically do. So they are the level of government closest to the people that need to have the biggest share of our scrutiny. And they've gotten away with it for decades now that they've been operating unscrutinized. And look at the... I I attribute the mental health crisis in our nation to public education by teaching two different, vastly opposed messages... The one that they get at home and then the one that they get in public education has created this mental illness problem all across our nation. So we need to be able to actually control boards of education for what they are doing to children. Yeah, it's hard hard to disagree with you on that point. In the past, I've used the word accountability. You know, I've said, you know, if, if any elected official deserves a a higher level of accountability to the voter it's it's a school board uh member but i i like the word you use scrutiny i i think i think that's i may actually begin using that one instead because i i think that's exactly it's not just accountability it, it is scrutiny it's that it's the fact that the the people need to be paying very close attention that's why we we've asked folks across the state Go to your county school board meetings. Go to your county commission meetings. You, it's it's one thing, and, I, and I've I've learned this a lot dealing with the legislature and following all these bills. You know, it's one thing to look at a um, at an elected official's voting record, and that and that does count for something the the way they vote. But I've I've found that I'm a lot more curious about what they actually say in committee. I'm, I'm much more interested in the things that they say and the defense they put forward or the, su- or the support they put forward for a certain measure more than their vote. Um, so voters and constituents need to be in these meetings 
hearing the words that come out of these people's mouths because it it will it will flat out shock you sometimes when, yeah when, when they actually say what they believe uh which is which is not always reflected in their voting record right they don't uh They'll talk a talk, but they definitely walk a different talk when they're behind closed doors or in subcommittees. Or, but I hear our Board of Education here, you'd be surprised. You attend one of their meetings, they won't even talk to you. They don't talk to their constituents at all here in Sevier County. Uh, I've addressed them a couple of times. Uh, in fact, my last open records request to them was uh, answered by their attorneys and not them. So <laughs> uh, I, they're, I don't think they're huge fans of me, which uh, I don't care. It doesn't. Does it increase or decrease my level of uh, happiness? But uh, yeah, the school boards definitely need because I think, and I think it's proven throughout throughout human history that if you control the kids, you control the education of the children, you get the desired outcome that you want. And so they are they have been controlling education in our country for so long; they are getting the outcome that we have. The Gen Zers or whatever, the, the these young Gen Zs that just participated in vast numbers in this election cycle. Yeah. That's proof of what you could do if you could control a generation's education. And I'm glad you brought that up. Um I I took note of exactly what you said. I mean, I, I watched um I, I watched a lot of the reporting on the elections nationwide and um you know, I, I think nationally, Gen Z, uh, the the portion of Gen Z which is voting age, I believe, is would be your eighteen to twenty four year olds right now. Uh, twenty four or twenty five to twenty nine year olds would be your younger millennials. So, um, just Gen Z and younger millennials, ages eighteen to twenty nine, were roughly. 13% of the vote nationally. That, that is a, that is a very large chunk. That's a huge um, chunk of our electorate. And when you look at um there was some exit polling data came out when you when you break up the age bands and their voting proclivity um like you know 65 and up is an R plus 13 you know then the next band is an r plus two then the next band is a is a d plus but the the gen z band the young the the 18 to 29 year old band the gen z and younger millennials they're voting at a d plus 28 i mean they are so heavily swayed towards the progressive vote at the ballot box and it's it's when you look at that statistically i mean it's clear i should communicate to you what what the public school system and and the impact it's having on our younger generations. And I I think that's an important point to make. And it's important to talk about because as passionate as I am about election integrity, uh, one struggle that I find is everybody thinks that every election is stolen. It's not. I mean, every election is not always stolen. Every machine is not committing fraud. I, my issue is the potential exists. That's why I want to get rid of it. But we can't my, – my problem with folks who, who are just laser-focused on it's all about the machines. You better get your head out of the sand. It's not just about the machines. You, you need to wake up and realize this, this younger generation that's coming online – 
in the electorate and they're now voting um you can have all the election security you want they're going to vote progressive (laughs) exactly you know it's uh it's it's concerning we we need to be very focused on um our young people on education and finding ways to reach them with a conservative with with a liberty message because our the future of our nation does not just hang on election integrity i it the root i believe i agree with you it, it hangs in the the indoctrination that is currently happening um in our public schools and we're we're going to see the we're going to see the repercussions from that here very very soon yeah we're going to reap what our what we have sown with our public education when we didn't hold the republican party i mean i I think this is Ronald Reagan's second biggest mistake. The first one was the amnesty. But in 1980, the Republican Party had on their platform the disestablishment of the Federal Department of Education. Because there is no enumerated power in the Constitution for a Federal Department of Education. So when they had that on their platform, then they backtracked from it. It has grown in scope and size so much that because this is the end result that they want. They want generations of people in our country reliant upon, dependent upon, and believing that the government is the solution to all the problems, never minding the fact that the government is the creator of all those same problems. So we have to definitely tackle the education to, to get our children back from that the, the terrible lessons that they learned there. Yeah, one of the, uh, you know, in terms of the Federal Department of Education, which I believe personally should be uh, completely abolished, um, one of the things that I've talked about consistently uh, when I was running for office uh, was getting federal dollars, getting getting as much federal money out of our state as we could. And when you look at the budget, the, the lowest hanging fruit, the easiest place to do that would seem to be public education. Um, I, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I, but I can say whenever you look at the state budget here in Tennessee on education, about 10% of that budget is federal money. So it's not, it's not, you know, it's not an overwhelming amount. It's not like half of, of the money is federal. So when you think about, you know, a 10%, budget attributed to federal dollars and you're looking at a state that has been running on a three three billion plus uh surplus in our budget and i think this year we're probably on track for four or five billion it's insane the uh the revenue the state's generating right now ahead of of, uh budget you know if there was a state that was poised to be able to eliminate all federal dollars out of our state's education system, it's Tennessee. And we could lead the nation in, in that. And, uh, and we have to, we can't, we can't keep taking federal money, but then complaining about the, the books in the school library and the CRT and all the things that are in our public school system, because all of those initiatives, a lot of times are tied to federal dollars. So you, you can't, you can't keep taking federal money and then crying about all the crap that's going on in our public schools. You have to, you have to lay the axe to the root. And the, and the root, I think, of all those evils uh, oftentimes in our education system are those federal dollars. And we, 
we have to get we have to get federal money out of our schools here in Tennessee. Absolutely, we can't allow the federal government to use our own tax dollars to get to be the carrot and the stick anymore in that in that arena. If yeah. doing that again puts us in the situation we are in now. Well, Gary, I, it's been a real pleasure having you on. I hope I look forward to talking to you some more here in the future and working together so we can fix Tennessee and get rid of all this garbage that's happening. Maybe even lead the way for the rest of the uh, other 49 states to to follow us in protecting the individual's liberty. Absolutely. I do. I, I really do believe that the state of Tennessee, in terms of the global agenda to take down America, I believe when you look at other states, of course, you know, you got DeSantis in Florida and, and, and Texas and a few other states that folks are looking at to, to relocate to, to find some semblance of what they know of America. I personally believe that Tennessee is the line in the sand and uh, we, we've got to do everything we can do. And, and like you said, be the volunteer state, lead the way in making the moves necessary to pervert, to uh, preserve liberty uh, here in our state. And uh, thank you for the, the opportunity and the time uh, to be with you today. And thanks for what you do out there in uh, East Tennessee. And uh, yeah, let's look for ways uh, that we can make an impact in the state. Appreciate you. Thanks, Gary. Well, that wraps it up, ladies and gentlemen. I hope to have Gary back on the show sometime in the near future. He, along with some other patriots that are doing some heavy lifting in the state of Tennessee, they will be here in the Sevierville area next month, and I hope to have some more one-on-one time to chat with him. In closing, this week's wisdom from God's Word comes to us from Proverbs 6, 3. So do this, my son, to free yourself. Since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands, go to the point of exhaustion and give your neighbor no rest. The elected officials that serve in our government are our neighbors. For far too long, we have left them to operate without the scrutiny needed by we the people. In doing that, they have turned away from what they are supposed to be, servant leaders, into what they are now, usurpers of liberty. We must work to the point of exhaustion in our involvement with these elected officials. We cannot allow them to rest. We ourselves cannot rest on the laurels of past victories thinking that everything is better now. Constant vigilance of the government formed to secure the people's liberty is required to ensure that they stay within their constitutional limitations. We cannot allow them any rest from responding to our letters our phone calls, our emails, and our requested meetings. Because when they are not responding to us or meeting with us, they are responding to and meeting with lobbyists, corporations, special interest groups, unions, and other people or organizations who care not one bit about the liberty of the citizens. We, the people, must occupy all their time and keep them focused on following their oaths. All levels of government. As I have stated in the past, it is only by working together, something which conservatives have a really hard time doing, but it is only by working together that we can at least save our state from turning into the poop show that many other states have already turned into. We Tennesseans can lead the way for the rest of the country in this effort. But it will take effort. 
a lot of effort from every Tennesseans. We need to live up to the name of the volunteer state. We can no longer afford to sit on the sidelines to see how this turns out. You can all look to history to find out how the story ends when people allow their governments to reverse the role of serving its citizens. I will hang up on a blog post links to many organizations out there in which you can get involved. Standing alone in the arena is admirable, but the more of us that take that stand, the lighter the burden will be of restoring our constitutional republic. Thank you all for listening this week. I pray that each and every one of you enjoy the rest of your weekend as well as the coming week ahead. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.